0: Hi, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to News and Views. And we have excellent today, as you can see. We have a lot of guests today joining uh, one by one. And we are
1: Hi, everyone.
0: Okay, well, let's uh, start with uh, Mr. King, uh, since he joined the first one. Uh, So just for everybody's, uh, uh, basically, info, Mr. King uh, has been longest serving commissioner in DC, 33 years, and serve under each uh, mayor, uh, assistant for elderly affairs, uh, also chair ward for the Five Democratic Seniors COVID-19 Commission, uh, member of national organization Black Men uh, for Biden. Wow, what a, what a service, what a service.
1: Yes. And I see you've been joined by my my colleague, Caroline Petty. I see she's on.
0: Okay. Yes. Hi. Hi, Caroline. How are you? And we have Shams and we have Dr. Arif with us. So uh, we are going to go one by one, all of them. And uh, let's welcome Dr. Masood from Maryland. Uh, He's representing Maryland today. So, uh, Dr. Masood is by, uh, by profession pediatrician and also very active, very active um, in Democratic Party. Um, he has really helped uh, raise a lot of uh, actually uh, money for d- different candidates. So, t- tell me a little bit about yourself, Dr. Masood, your political affiliations and so on.
2: Well, uh, yeah, coming from uh, Karachi, I was uh, involved in the political parties there. At my med school, like I had some student bodies, then I came here and then honestly, I was busy with my life, with my profession. 9-11 happened. So I had two choices, either stay in my house or be active. So I joined the volunteer board of the Montgomery County uh, the Consumer Protection Advisory Board and the Recreation Board. Slowly, I joined. I was president of uh, Montgomery County hosting council. And uh, I had a good rapport with all the county executive, county office, um, even with the governor. We we worked on the, um, the governorship when uh, Hogan one. And lately, lately I've been involved with um, uh, Brooklyn. She's uh, um, um, ombudsman, not ombudsman, uh, controller of Maryland. And soon, uh, Christian Holland also. But my, my thing is, uh, I am an immigrant, I'm a Pakistani, but I would like to get involved. And I think it's a beautiful country, beautiful place to get involved with. I've been welcomed, honestly, very, very uh, the, with open arms to come join the the, the the political process and be part of it. Like, I need to be productive to prove myself that I really love the country I really want to be uh part of the system so have been very um, uh active uh over since nobody should know me but uh, i think i'll stop here i'll stop here and uh, we'll, we'll I'll, uh, pitch in as, as we move on
0: okay and we have our guest today also caroline petty she is the chair of dc statehood committee for Ward five democrats Longtime resident of dc and been active in state dc statehood for 10 years and we, that's one of the topics we're gonna discuss today. So how are you doing, Caroline?
3: I'm doing very well.
0: Thank you for coming to our show.
3: Thank you for having me, really appreciate it.
0: And we have uh, Shabba Shams, my friend and a great uh, speaker as well as uh, she does her show and uh, she's doing a phenomenal job in Florida, right?
4: Yeah, exactly. And I believe that I might be the only independent here. Independent. Thanks for having me! Well, uh, I'm on I'm, your side, I don't worry about it.
0: I'm officially independent, too, because I
4: <laughs> So, okay. thank you for having us, guys. <laughs> okay.
0: And we have uh, Dr. Rauf Arif uh, from uh, Texas. So, he's all the way from Texas. So, that's a very unique, today we have combination of kind of, all kind of uh, views here. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Arif is actually um, uh, teaching in the university right now in uh, journalism, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so, and uh, he's he's been in, of course, doing journalism for many years, although he looks very young. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. He's very well So, let's start with uh, uh, number one issue, and that is uh, COVID uh, right now. And I will just uh, show what is the... CDC data right now is uh, basically showing for uh, so our data figures are from CDC basically. So as you can all see, um, I look at this uh, tracker and uh, cases are 25,780. And cases in last 30 days been uptick and then down, total vaccines being twenty six point twenty nine point six deaths 435. That's a big number, you know, they're probably. Close to approaching half a million for sure, and then uh, look at the various uh, vaccination. And uh, this is the vaccination map, and the darker blue means uh, you know greater than eleven thousand. I believe, yeah, that is means a greater than eleven thousand shots. Looking at Virginia, uh, we are I guess total distribution as you can see, um, we're still uh, behind I guess. Uh, so uh, let's uh, focus first on this uh, COVID. Uh, so tell me, what should be the administration uh, policy, how to get it done? You know, we all know they have to do it, but how to get it done?
1: Well, if I may just jump in here for a minute. You uh-huh. know that there's a $1.9 trillion a bill that's been put forth by President Biden, and part of that is going uh-huh. in the first 100 days is to, um, to vaccinate one million uh, folks in the first hundred days, so you do have an issue of supply and demand. And we're having some serious problems in Washington, D.C. by those who might be uh, disproportionately affected by the COVID-19 are not able to get the vaccine uh, or not able to get slots to get it. They're not even able, able to set on the on the waiting list. So we got a lot of seniors in D.C. with a lot of pain. And then we have some seniors who uh, don't want to get it. One example, I'm fortunate in my community, uh hospital uh, partnered with John Hopkins Hospital to go to 14 senior buildings in Washington, D.C. to actually go there uh, to do the to vaccinate those seniors. And I was checking the other day in terms of one of my buildings, that I have about 126 units in terms of seniors who actually came downstairs. Well, it, did, it kind of disturbed me that many of the seniors in the building still in the state of the area, people to come back, even though we ran the back the utility, one of the things that the president of that building had to do was to go two buildings over and sound the alarm and say, somebody's actually over here to bring people over from the senior building. So the with, uh, for example, in the white community in Washington, D.C., 70 percent of those. Uh, with the white community seniors are uh, uh, stuffed, stuffed up all of the slots in the first week. So we had to go back and kick things around by this to make sure those seniors who are in the uh, and who are were most at risk prior to those seniors for the vaccine. Well, we still have a problem with too many uh, seniors in DC but, uh, in fear of what happened way back in the. Uh, Tuskegee days and back in Australia days, it just not feeling comfortable with either, the, either one of the vaccines, and even though we got another one, hopefully we'll be approved until we start out with John Salih right there. Okay.
0: okay. Thank you. Thank you for Mr. King. So then uh, let's go to uh, uh, Caroline. Caroline, what do you, what do you think uh, we should do for, uh, or, I think in this program, we'd like to have suggestions and you know what we think uh, government should do that maybe somebody watching our show might get a good idea you know so we are you know we'll give the numbers and then we'll come up with solutions so uh, where do you see Caroline what's the problem right now we are facing
3: well I, I'm not a medical doctor or a medical professional by any means um, but just as, as a as a lay person, as an ordinary um, resident, um, I, I would say that um, the couple of things. One is we, we absolutely need to be doubling down on um, our social distancing and kind of safe practicing f- practices for avoiding transmission of, of, of the COVID. Um, and if that's not If there's a question about that, there really shouldn't be. And likewise with the masks, um, we we need to mask up at every opportunity when we're we're going to be around people walking on the streets, grocery shopping, that sort of thing. And then, and thirdly of course is um, vaccines, vaccinations. The vaccinations are just starting to roll out in the District of Columbia um, you know, we're experiencing a little bit of fits and starts and, and uh, growing pains here and there. But uh, when you get the opportunity to, to, to get a vaccination, by all means, get it.
0: Okay. So what you're suggesting is that um, by itself, a vaccination will not be enough to end the pandemic. We still have to do our, uh, you know, safe practices. And that makes sense because vaccine takes time to act. And uh, till that time, uh, we need to have both strategies working side by side. Um, So, and the other problem we are facing is the, you know, we have these new virus mutant and that is uh, going to spread too. So the vaccine could be somewhat effective, but not very effective. And the question is, can we uh, catch up or give vaccination as fast as possible so we have benefit from it. So I hope it, it's not null and void type situation. So the best, I think, like you said, uh, both strategies should be there. We cannot just party after the vaccines. That's, not abs- that's absolutely wrong. Um, so what do you think, Shaba is happening in your uh, neighborhood? Are people taking it seriously, vaccination?
4: Before I get to the vaccination, first of all, I think this is the first time that we get together since the pre-election era. Uh So um, I'm super happy to say we did it in a way. And um, I must admit that since this whole thing was over, mainly January 20th, we can believe that we had to wait that day. Um, I think coming back to a certain level of normalcy, whatever that means for us now, post-Trump tweets, post-chaos and drama. Um, I, I mean, it, for the first time, I enjoy actually turning on TV with boring news. And I enjoy the fact that it's like, ah, the news now is just politics. You know, it's it's what the government needs to do. Um, yeah, and to some extent, it might be a little bit boring. And it should be that way, right? Nobody looks for politicians to be entertainers or just inject in us this level of chaos and uncertainty so i am so grateful that since january 20th it seems like you know like the tone has calmed down a little bit and we're looking at an administration that seems to be um a little bit kind of knowledgeable of what the heck they need to do you know without that level of tension and chaos having said that it doesn't mean that they're not going to make their own mistakes but I bet you the mistakes will not have the drama that was so exhausting and exhaustive over the past four years. So I wanted to that to let that sentiment as an independent, non-biased uh, <laughs> you know, citizen. I wanted to share this feeling of I enjoy the current boredom sense of politics because it should be that way. And I, I go to bed not worry about what is the last minute you know, thing that can happen overnight. Um, back to your question, Dr. Moby, I think with COVID-19, we have to look into um, launching two campaigns at the same time, which actually the previous administration failed. We need really to continue the mitigation campaign and the vaccination campaign. And both are feasible when we have a system and structure um, and it's interesting that I'm giving my feedback coming I mean, from the Red State, where the majority, the, there is a higher level of people resisting both campaigns that actually is, is well seen and perceived, you know, in people not social distancing people not wearing masks and so on and so forth. So I think the idea of what we need to work uh, towards in the next few months, I would say weeks and months, is really try to increase the level of this campaign through um, informing people awareness, cultivating awareness of people to get the buy-in. We need to increase the buy-in in adopting both campaigns and reducing the resistance that you know masking up or social distancing and even vaccination has become so political. so we need to figure out how to increase the buy-in and reduce the level of resistance um hopefully to get through this and yeah, I totally um, agree with you with the the alternation and the mutants, you know, aspects of COVID and and the virus, that is a huge question mark of what will leave us with that. But again, that means that we really need to still social distance, wear masks, wash hands, which unbelievable simple thing to do. We are still singing this song for like almost a year now, about a year. So we're still singing the same rhythm for a year, and yet still people are not getting it um, until it's sometimes too late, even for them. As we heard testimonials of people dying or getting COVID or because they didn't even believe that it was. So I think we have a lot more work to do, but awareness, try to increase one, one side or one activity or mindset and reduce the other one. I think that that's probably the way we can go about to make it through the next year or two, maybe more.
0: Okay, thank you. Thank you for those uh, comments. Uh, and we were talking about, uh, you know, that's true, this is the first show after election. Yeah. So, uh, so a lot of things happened, uh, Dr. Uh, Masood uh, pointed out to some of the activities near uh, inauguration. Uh, Dr. Masood, you were going to talk a little bit about that.
2: Sure, sure. Oh, but, but, but before I go there, let me talk about the vaccine. The, the third one coming from Johnson and Johnson, maybe next week uh, they will give it emergency EUA, emergency use EU authorization. But the good thing is, all of them have protection. So if we give it at a fast rate, we will protect our uh, whole country, everybody, and then the variant will have less chance of coming in. Even the good news is that these vaccines, uh, this uh, one-dose Johnson & Johnson vaccine has a 57-person efficacy. But the the good thing is that it will save you from severe disease. God forbid, nobody who got that vaccine will have to go to the hospital or or need a ventilator. So imagine if it's a slight cough and cold and a slight fatigue, body aches. You can stay home. H1N1, like H1N1. I, 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 myself, quarantined myself in my bedroom for one week. When I got H1N1, way back in 15. So the thing is, the vaccines are here. God willing, all of us will get it. And we are going in the right direction. Yes, yes distribution is difficult. If they give it to the clinics who have the roster for patients, we will just leave it to them Text it to them, but come on, get it. That will make it much easier. Like we are pediatricians, we give shot the bread and bread. So give it to us, and we'll let everybody, we we'll even let the parents, the grandparents, everybody come in, have flu clinic, the, the shot clinic separately. So if they find whatever they want to do, we are here. And now coming back to what happened on January 6th. Uh, God forbid it happens again, but the only problem is that uh, a a crime was committed and people went inside the capital, came out and went home, drove all the way to the other part of the country. This is unheard of. This is uh, something that has never happened. Nobody imagined it. A lot of uh, lawmakers were at risk and uh, some of them were threatened some of them were hiding uh, all those things and uh, then we have uh, cries or or, or uh, appeals of um, reconciliation uh, let's move on let's forget everything okay everybody wants to move on everybody wants to have a good life live the same old usa that we have experienced for the last me for the last 25 years but but a law was broken. A law was broken, and somebody has to be held accountable. So going forward, we we should be very strongly supporting that whatever crime was committed, people who ever did it should be held accountable, so that we move on and nobody else tries to do it again. Hmm. Okay.
0: Okay, but well, thank you for those comments. So Dr. Arif, uh, so if you give us your take, uh, how things are in Texas and are people taking finally seriously vaccination?
5: Yeah. Uh, uh, Thank you, Dr. Moby, uh, for having me on this show. Uh, So there are a couple of things that I think I would like to highlight about Texas perspective. Um, As we all know, this long-star state is much bigger in size. and and it is also like politically is becoming much more interesting and complex. Uh, it used to be straightforward Republican state, right? Things had already started changing for uh, last couple of years. Um, it's been four years that I have been living in this state, and I also observed many changes. For example, those bigger cities, Houston, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, uh, they, are, they are pretty much blue. Uh, And they have highest concentration of um, uh, diversity of views and immigrants, Uh, and like and part of the reason, like these corporations who are bringing in more educated people there, their views are becoming more and more. um, uh, I would say like little bit more uh, open ended, blue and stuff. But if we go to some other parts of Texas, such as West Texas or like some other like. Less densely populated area, or where the agriculture and oil is a big thing, uh, then things are like very much red. And why it has to be um, taken into context while we are talking about vaccination and vaccination campaigns? Because we we know the country has been very much divided, unfortunately, right? Even for those things, they should be commonsensical. Like we all have the right to live. We all have the right to to get better better healthcare and we all need to 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 survive right and we all need to find, fight covid-19 but all of these debates they also get divided like between republican and uh, and democratic stuff over here in texas now uh, vaccination is happening in the state as i said like if we go to those urban areas where there there is more blue map in those areas you would see like really less Um, resistance and people are actually lining up to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. But if you go to some other areas like where I said, like where the oil money is, agriculture is, less densely populated area, things are difficult. People are still buying into all those uh, uh, conspiracy theories and those anti-vaxxers have more kind of like uh, a softer corner for them uh, over there. So this is, this is just a generalized situation. What should be done, uh, Dr. Moby, you asked, uh, my layman approach, what I am seeing over here, at least in the state of Texas, the way the vaccine had started unfolding in this area, like uh, in the beginning, it was like through PCPs, like primary care physicians. And even though that's a great thing, like those those physicians were making judgments and were making sure like, people who uh, who have underlying conditions and stuff they they get it primarily but there are challenges there are so many people like for example illegal immigrants right they don't even have pcps right we have to take these things into consideration we are not everyone is human being first of all when it comes to disease disease does not care whether you have a passport you have a green card or you are uh, you are alien so to speak hopefully president uh, biden is going to change the name from alien to Uh, to non-citizens, right? So, okay, so the problem is PCPs won't be able to cater to the needs of those people who are not even who are not even going to doctors or they they don't even cannot they cannot even afford to go to a PCP. So first of all, we have to figure it out how to give vaccine to everyone across the board. And I'm speaking at least for the state of state of Texas, because US is so big, it has like so much more Challenges, Like for example, as Robert King said, like DC challenges are different and I'm very much unaware of those challenges, right? Because I, I don't know like the overall uh, population dynamic and stuff over there. So second, I believe as, uh, I mean, when we say like corporate America is a problem, I say like corporate America at the same time is a solution. So for example, if Amazon and Walmart are coming forward, and they are they are telling us like hey we are there to help you disseminate your vaccine let's let's come into term with these big corpora- corporations who have already established units throughout this country and let's try to benefit from it because this is these are these are unusual special circumstances that we should be doing third i believe that we need to our governments and our our systems whosoever are the uh, are the policymakers are, are are going to implement these decisions? I believe they should establish mobile clinics, like those mobile networks, where those clinics can go to those far-flung areas and disseminate the vaccine in those areas, right? And l- there should be there should be less paperwork, particularly asking questions. Like those, like, where do you live, whether you are a legal citizen or rather issue some sort of like card, passport, whatever you call it, that we can verify that this person actually has been vaccinated. So and and then then since I am a communication, media and communication person, and one of you talked about campaigns, right? So it did excite me. Like we need to, government needs to also initiate a campaign because there are two kinds of people. One one kind of people in the United States, they're anti-vaxxers. I don't know whether we will be able to change their mind or not, right? However, there are other people who are just apprehensive about it. They are They're afraid. They don't know whether these are different reactions they might get through. I mean, we need to launch those campaigns, and we need to tell them, by the way, we get for example we get flu vaccines every year and flu vaccines does have have their, their their reactions right in some some people but we are no longer afraid because it's just there so we need to launch some campaigns to overcome those apprehensions and fears that people might have in their mind so these are these are those couple of things that i i would think from a layman's pers- perspective and and as dr moby your show basically just like this these kind of open discussion platforms need to take place more and more. So that like people can speak their heart out, they can discuss their apprehensions and problems and, and we, can, we can get the expert opinion as right now, Dr. Anwar Masood and Dr. Mobi, you yourself, you both are experts in the field. And then we can learn, educate ourselves from you and, and move forward from there. So these are just my two cents here in this program, talking about at least the vaccine perspective
0: okay well that is very thorough very nice and okay. that, that is definitely uh, we were actually i talked to mr king and others to love to do these kind of shows more um you know because i feel that this is our duty to guide the new administration uh you know you know there's i think it's better if we give a solution and we help them so you know because we are uh We are actually volunteering for vaccinations as well as posting our pictures but also encouraging education is number one thing that's true there are there will be people who will never go for shot there are which have a second doubt about it or they have inadequate information unfortunately most of the information bad press gets a lot of press good press like us uh, you know when we try to give facts they they somehow they don't uh, travel that fast i don't know i always find it very very difficult to understand that you know the good things uh, you want to educate people you want to tell uh, They somehow that is suppressed and the only way so look at the va- side effect of the vaccine it's only like really very minimal per millions and then all of a sudden, you get that press. Oh, there's a reaction happening. Okay. Well, look at the context of that reaction. It's in one in million, something like that. I mean, it's really low, uh, and that's pretty safe vaccine. So, if you but somehow the press was focused on only those one or two cases, uh, that is very amazing. I think this is what is called uh, <laughs> journalism, right, doctor? <laughs> So, uh, so Mr. King, uh, do you see in D.C., I think uh, we had an earlier conversation and you said when the vaccines opened up, there was uh, kind of uh, not a proper planning to distribute and some of those minorities were left out on vaccination. Hey, oh, Sorry, let, let's unmute you. Go yeah. ahead.
1: Mr. King. They still continue to be left out. One of the things that I, I did when I went to... Um, Get my shot on a few couple of weeks ago, and I challenged everybody on this panel. You know, I chair the uh, War Five Dems uh, Senior COVID-19 Commission. So I went when I went and got my shot. I had on my Biden's T-shirt, Biden mask, Biden hat, and actually took a picture of actually getting the vaccine. And I and I sent that, uh, put it on uh, YouTube or put it on Facebook. Uh, I sent that to lot it down in everybody. And I got a lot of folks call back and said, Bob, uh, you got the vaccine? I'm going to go get it. Because I represent a lot of seniors as a longest serving elected official in DC, both as an ANC and as an elected person. So I thought that one of the ways that I could contribute is actually had the nurse, when I go back and get my second shot on February the 8th, I'm going to take a picture with the nurse actually giving me the vaccine. I'm going to take that same picture and to continue to encourage because we still got 30, 37% of the, of the Black population who say they're not going to take it. We got 75% of the people who are wearing masks and then we got uh, 24% of the people who say they're not going to wear masks. So the vaccine masks, social distances, and then we said in order to make this effective, the goal is to try to, to inoculate some 80, 70, 80 million folks. So, you know, and, we've, uh, and when during the Trump's administration, we set a goal to do 20 million. When he left the office, it was only 40 million. And then we have a supply and demand issue. And like I said, in DC, it's really been an a, a, a awful situation. The campaign is it's very important to us. You know, we need our doctors, we need our black basketball players, black football players. You know, I saw the mayor the other day. She was taking the vaccine even with her eyes closed because she was scared of the needle at least she was out there. So we need all of our leaders, our city council members, uh, hopefully uh, Caroline Petty is gonna join me next week and get her shot because she represents a lot of people. And that's we find one, teach one, find one, teach one. And that's what we're gonna have to do.
0: Okay. Okay, so um, uh, Caroline, you have to unmute yourself. Caroline, you have to unmute. I
3: I was just saying to Bob that I'm not eligible yet.
0: Oh, you! You're, I'm
3: just a young, sweet spring chicken.
0: Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> same here.
0: Okay, so what is the good news? Like feeling you are young chicken or not getting caught?
3: <laughs> you know, that, my husband asks me that fairly frequently. Okay. So. I I think um, just a comment about uh, I think Miss uh, Doctor Arif's uh, uh, what he was saying earlier. Um, about communications and um, people being afraid and apprehensive about taking it, I I think it was a real mistake, or maybe it was on purpose for for the Trump folks to refer to this vaccine effort as a warp speed effort Um, because warp speed, you know, in the context of something you inject into your bloodstream um, just, I'm really wrong and sad messaging. I hope we can kind of put that behind us.
0: Yeah, uh, that is true. You know, I hope. Uh, so it's important point is, you know, Mr. King said, and uh, Benny talked to me, and I was kind of looking at that, that, you know, the biggest risk factors are actually minorities of complication so if they are not getting vaccines and when the vaccination starts the other uh, people get advantage or somehow they cross the lines and then those are left behind i mean that's sad because you know it means that minorities still will unfortunately have complications Uh, the one way it looks like, you know, somebody was just trying to say to the system that no, no, vaccines are nothing. But as soon as the vaccination starts, they are first in line. So, uh, I I mean, that is sad if it's true, you know. So I I, I don't know, you know, how true is that, but that's what appears the information I'm getting uh, so far. Uh, But uh, whatever it is, we really need to help Uh, get the word out and, you know, get everybody vaccinated. I mean, no matter what. Um, So let's uh, talk a little bit about, um, you know, these money which Biden has, uh, uh, or they're considering the bill. So any thoughts on what should be the message? It should be everybody, individual getting money or businesses? Because this is a tricky question. Can I go? Yeah. Go ahead.
2: So uh, this is a great step. When when Biden, like 1.9 trillion, and I think then, I believe now they're going alone if the Republicans are not helping them in passing the vote, they, they'll go alone and pass the bill. That's a good thing, because the second wave is coming up. Like Fauci said, uh, Anthony Fauci said, like it's going to be bad before it, it gets any better. So give the money to the people. Just give them hope. There are three types of vaccines coming. They have ordered six hundred million. USA the first, then the whole world. But uh, the good thing is, give them hope. Tell them it's a month, couple of months. Just, just hang on. B-b-b- prepare yourself, the businesses and everything. So we just have at the most a couple of months to go up the hump and down, and start living towards a normal life. So uh, it's a good thing. Uh, yes it's a lot of money but this is these are everybody uh, our people these are our people they, they they need to be happy but before we move on so good effort good thing let's hope in in March middle of March we we cut through this thing and move on and when-
0: so, so anybody else has any comments whether businesses should also get or bail out? and uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the business especially restaurants and which business uh,
5: uh, right if if i may dr moby I, I just you're talking about the stimulus checks and stuff right yeah,
0: yeah
5: okay yeah so this is interesting so dr moby this this becomes like tricky because the whole campaign that democrats have hey we care about individuals as well we are not gonna bail out those big wall street uh, companies alone because their CEOs mint more money than anyone else, and then they get the bailout. So if we say businesses alone, I understand there are small businesses as well. That, again, from political campaign perspective, it's not gonna send a very good message for President Biden and his team, right? So my perspective from a a political communication perspective, Uh, Kind of like point of view would be that we have to make sure that President Biden uh, somehow finds uh, a a kind of balance in between these two things we cannot isolate business because that's the reality particularly smaller business even I I see every single day in, uh, in 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 many many smaller areas in Texas there are so many local businesses they are going out of it, uh, the totally uh, they are just closing and that's sad to see those things and we really want them to survive there are different restaurants there are different smaller businesses uh, uh, they could not survive because of the pandemic but at the same time there are people who need to pay their bills who need to who need some sort of like a, a, a booster in their economy to be able to survive right so i think that it has to be both. But I also sincerely believe that it should not be seen as if Wall Street again is getting the most benefit out of this bailout. It should not be seen like those big corporations, uh, they did all the crazy things and then they had easy like exit uh from this uh from this entire chaos. So it's a it's a million dollar or I would say like trillion dollar question that you just asked, but I think like uh I, uh my again my perspective is uh biden campaign has to handle it really really carefully because we have to make sure our businesses are surviving and we also have to make sure that it aligns with their campaign when they were when they were trying to to get the White House back from uh, republicans
0: okay and then the other anybody has any other thoughts yes go ahead go ahead trevor
4: let me unmute myself. I think I muted myself on my end. So I think for me, uh, like the Dr. Adif says, I have also 1.9 trillion million dollars to say. To question is where is this money coming from? I mean, we already see the market plunging because you know the idea is we're going to start printing money like uh, their I don't know their little chiffons or something. So we need to understand that money has value, and so where is the money coming from? Um, yeah. raising taxes is has to be another solution but I feel like um where the mindset of the American people right now is that it's like they want to eat the omelet without breaking the eggs Um and sometimes we really have to make these tough choices about how we are gonna overcome this as a nation you know from the one percentile to the lower you know Um, socioeconomic uh, layers in the society. And for us just to keep on, like Dr. Arif said, uh, bailing out the cruises companies and the airline industry, and then the people who come home and they don't have any income, any food on the table, and kids are not getting food in schools from everything that's going on is absolutely inhumane. And I think that's what we need to understand. Like, yeah, if If it means that the administration has to raise taxes on the wealthy people, uh, I think they can really live without a lot of the lifestyle they have that other people are far from even being there. So in other words, um, it's not socialism. Unfortunately, they label it as socialism. It's a time of crisis where I think that the people who have made so much money especially in the past four years who doubled and tripled their assets can actually look into you know this is a time to yeah higher taxes on these people they're not going to suffer all that much trust me Uh, but the money needs to come from somewhere and i wish i i saw something a little more tangible some concrete pathway of here is where this money is gonna come from. Um, that's very important. It's not any different from running a household and somebody wants to, I don't know, buy, I don't know, I'm not gonna say a Ferrari or something, but I'm I'm like buy a new computer or something. And it's like, okay, where is the money coming from? We, you know, what we have is hardly, you know, uh, have, that's, not, that's one thought. The other thought, and I don't know, if it's in the 1.9 trillion, because I know the Republicans did say that it has to be separated, which is the minimum, raising the minimum wage to $15. um, I think it's a great idea, um, of course. But on the other hand, and don't call me conservative because I'm not, but I'm very pragmatic and realistic. It's like, how is a business owner going to survive paying people $15 an hour in a time where they hardly make business, you know, do business. So there are a lot of questions that I feel like I'm not having a clear understanding of what the Biden administration is planning to do to really um, meet these responsibilities. And they're putting too many crises in the same pot at the same time. Um, and I think in life, you have sometimes to prioritize um, right now getting food on people's tables. And the kids fed um, people who lost their jobs, um, health insurance. You know, these are like the, the if we think about the, the Maslow hierarchy of needs, truly for some people, it, it's not, oh, the stock market is going up or down. For some people, they are at the basic level of survival in the hierarchy of need. And that's what the government right now needs to address to meet that you know, level one for the people. And we should not really worry about the people who are the higher level because they're not going to be suffering all that much. Um, so, but a clear understanding of the pathway to let's save the day um is, is really a must for us to understand.
0: Okay. Well, uh, my only take would be just to make sure You know, they they reward, first of all, people who get vaccine. Maybe I recommend putting a reward for, you know, incentive, bonus. Get your shot. Okay. So if you deny vaccine, well, then you don't get a bonus. Whatever.
4: So what the bonus would be for you? What do you think the bonus, like money, give money to people to get vaccinated? Because I heard it somewhere.
0: Yeah. I think it's a good suggestion because everybody gets vaccinated. Guess what? Then it saves a lot of money. On well,
4: I, I last time I got my flu shot, I get a, I got a gift card. I mean, it's ten dollars at my pharmacy. uh So I, I don't know, would, would a ten dollar gift card or thirty dollar gift card would be enough? I mean, I didn't do it for the ten dollars, but you know, but yeah. the concept is there. You get a flu shot and then you get a gift card for ten bucks. So how much would, would it worth? Like in terms of the psyche of of people or who resist vaccination, how much would that mean to them? How much is worth $10, $20, $30? What would that be the price tag?
3: No,
2: I I think they have a pyramid where where they are going, like first healthcare workers, uh, then coming down uh, 1B, uh, 75 and above, then 65 and above school teachers, they have a plan. I don't think gift cards are gonna work because and, and this variation with the virus. The, the, the structure of the virus changing. I think it's the ma- main news nowadays and everybody is involved. Like in Montgomery County, Maryland, we have now schools opening. And I when I went to get my shot, I saw a lot of seniors, 75 plus coming in, getting their shot, their kids bringing them. So I think we are on a plan. Uh, I don't, uh, and uh, Shabazz think that I don't believe they're going to bail out industries first. Uh, the $1,400 bill is exactly for that. $1,400 per person bill is for that person. It's not 2,000. It's not 600. It's 1,400. And the, imagine like these are the clients of big companies. These people are going to buy food and toothpaste and stuff and shoes and school books and everything for the kids. So give them money, the, com- the, the the big companies will get rich anyway. So they have a plan. The only thing, the only problem is supply. They have things in place. I hope to God everything goes through. We have three vaccines and, and we vaccinate quickly and efficiently uh, CVS, Walgreen, yes. Those are pharmacies, vaccine storage is also th- big issue. Johnson and Johnson does not need refrigeration, so it can be given easily, like with mobile clinics, like I have said. But um, if I understand that, th- we'll be good. We'll be good in a couple of months. Just hang on. Let those fourteen hundred dollar checks come in, and uh, we will be. We'll go through it. We are
4: good. But, but Anwar, I didn't say don't give the money. I, I, hope, I hope it didn't come out like, oh, don't give them the money. What I'm saying is that I want to see where the price tag is coming from because the, the, we need to, to um, face the reality of what's happening, printing money. Where is the money coming from? How are we going to you know, overcome the deficit? Um, And then speaking about the 65 and over to get uh, vaccinated, to be honest with you, this is the first time in my life that I wish I was over 65 (laughs) just to get the damn vaccine. It's like, how long should I be waiting? You know, it's just like, you know, it's okay. But at the same time, it's like my friend, she's um, over 65. Her mother is 85. She keeps on messaging me like, oh, there is a site where you can... Uh, go get vaccinated for people over 65, you know and I'm like, it's not my turn yet. Can I kind of just like have a fake ID card like the teenagers do to get alcohol instead of 21? <laughs> I'll get a fake ID with 20, 65 years old to get vaccinated. But I think what, what I'm trying to say here is that yeah, it's gonna get hard before it gets better. And what I, I, I wish I see more, that I have seen more over the past year even. Is that people need to be a little bit patient? You know, the universe. Um, for those who are not religious or whatever spiritual, the universe has tested our patience as well as everything else that we have been going through, and we we failed really as a humanity. We you know failed in a way that we cannot understand what we need to do to protect each other. We cannot be patient in masking and social distancing because that's what we need to do to protect one another. And it became more of a matter, it's a hoax, I don't believe it, or my freedom. It's a lot of nonsense that's going on that really, um, we, we lacked patience in addressing one of the biggest um, test of all times, which is a world pandemic, you know, that everybody has gone through. But hopefully, like you say, I'll be as optimistic as you are we're gonna get better in a few months. Okay,
1: Okay.
0: and then I'm going to ask, uh, you know, Caroline. Caroline, uh, tell us a little bit about DC statehood.
3: Okay, thank you, Dr. Moby. Thank you very much for having me and and for Bob King for uh, suggesting that I come on, appreciate it. Um, I am the chair of the Ward 5 Democrats Statehood Committee, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, and we are, in the, in the city of Washington, DC, we are engaged in a major campaign to achieve statehood for the District of Columbia. Um, I, let me start with just kind of a succinct um, statement of the problem that we're, that we're trying to solve. And that is that for over 200 years, the residents of the District of Columbia Uh, the residents of the nation's capital have lacked a full voice in our national government and in addition to that we've also been denied control over our our own local government and those are the problems that we're trying to solve with with statehood Um, that for 200 years this has gone on it may have made sense 200 years ago when George Washington first said, ah, that site there on the banks of the Potomac between Maryland and Virginia, that's where I wanna put the, na- the nation's capital. Um, that was a time when there were very few um, actual people living there or working there. There were some, but not in the numbers we're seeing today. Um, so we were an afterthought representation for the citizens of the, the new seat of government was kind of a, an afterthought. Um, they had other bigger things on their minds. Um, but since then, we've grown exponential, exponentially. We are now uh, over 700,000 people um, and, and growing, although no one quite knows yet how the pandemic is going to affect uh, populations in, in the District of Columbia. Um, but we're over 700,000 people, and we're, we are Americans in the fullest sense of the word, um, just like everyone else in the country. Um, we, we work for a living, and not just for the government. Um, in fact, not mostly for the government. Most of the government workers come in from Maryland and Virginia. Um, so we work we pay federal taxes. We serve on juries. We serve in the military. Uh, we uh, we have neighborhoods with things like civic associations and scouting activities and garden clubs and you know the the run-of-the-mill things that go on in neighborhoods. We we worship um, nearly every faith tradition is represented in the nation's capital. We educate, we have uh, seven world-class universities here. Um, And the long and short of it is that DC represents and the residents here represent the diversity that is the United States of America. Um, So let me just go back to the two problems that we're trying to so- solve, and one is uh, voting representation in the U.S. Congress. In the House of Representatives, uh, we do have a delegate. A delegate, um, her name is Eleanor Holmes Norton. You may have heard of her. Um, she's uh, got an excellent re- reputation. We call her our warrior on the Hill, and she does an excellent job representing uh, the District of Columbia. Um, but she's very limited in the power um, and the vote that she has in the house of representatives. She can sit on a committee. She can vote in committee. She can introduce legislation. She can participate in floor debates when debates are going on on the floor of the house, but she can't cast a binding vote on bills that are on the floor of the house. So that's significantly limited legislative authority. So that's the House. When it comes to the Senate, we have absolutely no voice, no voting representation in in the Senate whatsoever. Um, So the the major issues of the day that come before the Senate, like impeachment, um, COVID relief, um, you you name it, whatever it is, Those of us who live in D.C., we spend a lot of time yelling at our television sets uh, because we have no one to call in the U.S. Senate who represents us um, there. So that's one of the problems. The other problem, as I mentioned, is um, control over our own local affairs. Um, The way the district government, we have a very limited home rule in in the District of Columbia. We have a mayor, Mayor Muriel Bowser, um, and we have a council and the council kind of acts as a a legislature. It's a 13-member body um, and they pass laws and then those laws get enacted when the mayor signs them into law. Um, But in every instance, every law we pass, whether it's a budget bill or, or an alley closing, Um, from the sublime to the ridiculous, every law we passed has to be transmitted to the Congress for review before it can be, be enacted. Now, for the most part, those bills are transmitted. They sit there for the requisite 30 days, Congress doesn't act, and then they can become laws for the most part, but to a fairly significant extent, um, there are instances, particularly if we if the District of, of Columbia passes anything uh, controversial. Um, let's say if it's on gun has to do with gun control or um, charter schools or abortion or uh, marijuana, any, anything slightly controversial often prompts a react, a reaction in the Congress. And the Congress can then step in, Um, And so long as they go through the proper legislative process in Congress, they can change our laws, they can block our laws, they can rewrite them. And so we're very limited in the amount of control. um, And it's often very frustrating um, for for the residents here um, who um, want that kind of autonomy that every other state in the union enjoys. so the just to wrap up, and then if there are any questions, I'd be happy to go in, into more detail. Um, but we are um, we feel that the only long term way of reconciling these problems is through statehood. Um, and so, how do we get there? Um, the way that we are approaching getting there is through legislation. Um, Every state in the union entered the union, other than the original 13, everyone after that up to Hawaii and Alaska entered the union through legislation. And what that involved is uh, a bill was introduced um, to grant the the territory generally uh, statehood. It was debated in the house, debated in the Senate passed the House, passed the Senate and then signed into law and the states became part of the United States of America. So that that's the process that, that we're following here. Um, and we're further along in that process than we've ever been before. Um, and we, we think that um, with uh, because of the support that we have among Democrats, um, it's now become a, a, a core priority for the democratic party to pass dc statehood so we think with the the democrats controlling the house and the senate and the presidency um that uh success um is looking much more likely than it than it ever has been been before but thank you for,
0: for yeah go ahead
2: thank you so much caroline for educating us like i have seen your license plates no representation, like I said, like, what do you mean by that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Is there anything any like common citizen like me could do? Uh, yes, uh, we have the House, the Senate and the presidency, but do we need a certain number of like 60, 67% votes or something? Possibly. And I think the major problem is that it will give two Democratic Senate seats. That's why the Republicans do not want it to happen. Am I right?
3: Yes, you are right. You're absolutely right. Um, and and it should be said um, that there is nothing in the in the U.S. Constitution that requires uh, before a state can be admitted to the union, you have to be Party X or Party Y. Okay. Um, the it, it it used to be um, that uh, being an American. Um, and enjoying the full constitutional rights that all Americans enjoy was a a bipartisan, patriotic position to have. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. unfortunately, I think it was you who mentioned it earlier, like everything else, this has devolved into into a very partisan debate. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully
2: hopefully uh, we will resolve it. Hopefully you will get your statehood. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you. (laughs) Thank you.
0: But, but But I'm sure you'll get your vaccine before your statehood, that I know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll get so, okay, it.
3: You, you don't know how young I am. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. But thank you for all joining. But, but just uh, last thing uh, quickly, and then we'll say goodbye. You know, I think uh, all the barriers are in D.C., but a uh, very important thing is, uh, I think there was some question that they make should make it permanent. I think that's a bad idea because I don't think problem was uh, the DC. It was somewhere other problems. So anybody has any comments on that?
2: I love DC. I want to go there every week and just look at the monuments like Lincoln Memorial everywhere. So I don't want it blockaded, but I don't know how important it is, and I would like to leave it that way because. I've heard some bad things, so I want it blockaded, but hopefully, hopefully not for long.
0: Okay. So anybody else has any comment? Okay, well, thank you for all joining. It was a pleasure. We'll definitely catch up next week and weekly, hopefully.
1: Okay, thank take you. care all. Bye. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.